This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. I thank God for this sermon series we are yet in. The lawful works of grace. Lawful works of grace. We thank God for health, life, and strength in him. My God, my God. I'm going to be in two scriptures, New Testament and Old Testament. We're going to be in Romans and in Proverbs. We're on a journey. Hopefully you are in the spirit and catching hold of the prophetic curricular journey that the Holy Ghost has us traveling through in this Lawful Works of Grace series. People say you don't have to work when there's grace, but God said, now I'm commissioning you to go through the teaching of this, the lawful works of grace. Amen. Going back a little bit, we had grace to serve the living God. To serve the what? The, the who? The, the living God. You know, God is alive. But sometimes we don't want the living God because we want to reserve uh, the right to do whatever as we please. And God have no say so. But we need to serve the living God. We need grace from heaven to do that. Grace is the power to do right. And the Holy Ghost will enable you to live a holy and separated life in this present world. That's grace right there. Amen. And uh, I thank God that uh, Pastor uh, Butler came and helped out through the Holy Ghost to let us know. Yeah, revival is in the midst. And... Um, that we need to have the hope of glory ever resonating and emanating. We need God's hope in us at all times. He will give you sense and sensibility to realize that he is near. And the Holy Ghost, amen, is often pictured as the life-giving source of water and his prophetic message, I smell water. We thank God and in the realm we smell water. Thank God. And today, after we heard encouraging words coming from our anniversary motto scripture, uh, Isaiah forty thirty one, Pastor uh, Harris came in and helping us to have hope. We've gone this far in the journey, and God has strength for us to carry on through. Amen. And we have to disregard. Amen. We hear what the world is saying, but we don't take it to heart. We want what God is saying as far as revelation from his holy word. We cannot submit, therefore, to the devil because he will camp out and make strongholds. We're supposed to submit, therefore, to God. Amen. God will then enable us to resist. That means fight the devil. And guess what the devil will do? He will go away. He will flee. Amen. That's what we need. Today we have a message from Romans 12, 3, English Standard Version. I'll be reading from uh, that as we pray. Father God, I thank you for your life. Thank you for your strength, your power. We know that you are able, my God. I pray now that as we have prayed, preparation 
over the house and uh, for every individual heart, mind, and soul, the soil of each person. May it be, my God, by the Holy Ghost, prepare to receive what God has to say. May we have the ears wherewithal the grace of hearing from heaven to hear, listen, take in, receive, and allow the Lord to do what he came to do. My God, God wants to give a vaccination today. Is that all right? Lord, we thank you, Lord. So come on in, inoculate us with the presence of your power on the inside and may it circulate oh God through all the spiritual lymph nodes and help us oh God that we will now develop my God the sense of glory the power from glory that we will be immune to the devil's deception we will be healed from any strongholds that the devil has somehow, my God was enabled to creep in in some breach in our Persona, But Lord, today you're going to repair the breach. I thank you for your spiritual surgery that you are going to do. Come in like a mighty rushing wind. Come in, oh God, even like the peaceful, soft falling rain that soaks the soil and readies it in fertilization for the reception of the seed of faith. And that it will sprout, Lord, germinate, sprout, my God, and produce, my God, the strength of a plant that can bring forth fruit in its season. Its leaves will not wither. We thank you, Lord. We know you're able. In the name of Jesus, make us mature saints, my God. Trees planted by the river of that living water from glory. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' matchless name. We know you're able. We thank you. Do a mighty thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And in Proverbs, second chapter, verse three, where it reads in the King James Version, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Thank God. God is showing us through the revelation of his spirit, a law of sowing and reaping. A lot of times we only attribute this to uh, the process of receiving finances in the house, the economics of the house, and people want you know, the big offerings to come in and they're talking about sowing and reaping. You sow a little, you're going to reap a little and all of that and so on and so on. But there's another capacity of this law. The law of sowing and reaping in the Lord's church can be applied to the social dynamic uh, controlled by a certain spiritual malady that should not be overlooked or denied. The enemy works to maintain a stealth darkness around this truth to keep it hidden in an effort to preserve and intensify its potency. That's how he does. He wants to have a hidden bomb so that there's an implosion in you, an implosion in me, an implosion in the house of God. 
He wants to destroy every chance of our intimacy with the Lord and with each other. His fear is that we will begin to faithfully uh, work in the glorious grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to shed light upon and promote deliverance from the deception of Satan. He wants to, God wants to make certain that we are delivered from the deceptive work of sinful pride that hinders holy revival. This is what we will speak upon today as led by the Lord. The deceptive work of sinful pride that hinders holy revival. We saw in Romans 12, 3, how the Holy Ghost seeks to reveal a truth that will help us to reach revival. There's a blockage there sometimes, unknowingly a lot of times, that could hinder our effectiveness as becoming a mature Christian. Uh, it's showing how those who have become people of God in local church assemblies and those in the body of Christ in general uh, should have a humble and teachable state of mind. How approachable are you in a God-ordained encounter? Because some people may approach you and not be of God. But how approachable are you in a God-ordained encounter? Have you ever had a moment of high-mindedness in your life? The scripture speaks of sober judgment. Sober judgment is void of all misconceptions. It does not falsely shelter us in an untouchable ivory tower of grandness, if you will. Nor does it imprison us in an unreachable pit of an incorrigible dungeon of helplessness. Because sometimes folks are high-minded enough to be grand, and some put themselves in a low place, and they tend to stay there. And that's another state of mind. But the enemy often works in either to de press us into an inferiority complex or perhaps puff us up to a superiority complex. And the Lord wants to dig in a little bit in our persona so that everything within us will be enabled by the Holy Ghost to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord doesn't mean just clapping of hands and beating of tambourines, crashing of drum cymbals and such, and cranking up the organ and the bass guitar and the guitars and horns and such and singing loudly until you sweat out your hairdo. It's more than that. Thank God. God wants us to realize that he has come by his spirit to make amends in us so that we can work the works of him that sent us. The Holy Ghost comes to empower us, but when he empowers us, he does not empower craziness. He does not empower dysfunction. My God, he does not empower satanic strongholds and maladies that hinder us from being socially adept to behaving in the house of God. Thank God. 
So God lets us look at how he blessed some of the minds of the psychology world. And that was one of my majors in my undergrad studies. My God, and into my master's level. But the American Psychological Association, APA, defines an inferiority complex, according to the work of psychoanalyst Alfred Adler, and we call it Adlerian psychology. Back in 1907, he thought of these things, and uh, he defines inferiority complex as a basic feeling of inadequacy, a basic feeling of insecurity, deriving from actual or perhaps even imagined physical or psychological deficiencies. My God. So, feeling inferior from time to time, that's not necessarily a bad thing because it is of our human nature, says Martin E. Ford, a PhD, a professor and senior associate dean at George Mason University College of Education and Human Development in Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, quote, the key is how one responds to those feelings. Do they motivate you to learn and perhaps try to do better? Or do they cause you to think too deeply and shut down? Or perhaps even worse, do they cause you to feel jealous of others and to put people down in order to build yourself up? Or to always blame others for things for which you should take personal responsibility? When such patterns become consistent across a broad set of circumstances, that is when the term inferiority complex may apply, end quote. Now, the psychologists also cite uh, signs of the opposite to inferiority complexes. It's a superiority complex. But don't think they are necessarily separate. These two tendencies are quite linked. And according to the APA definition, the signs of a superiority complex include, quote, an exaggerated opinion of one's abilities and accomplishments, which arise from an overcompensation for feelings of inferiority. So if you are overflowing with inferiority, what happens now is that's an overcompensation. It's a bit much. And now you have to create some kind of Balance, but it becomes an imbalance. And as Mayo Clinic experts explain, that even though people exhibit behaviors of a superiority complex, appearing, quote, to have an inflated sense of their own importance, uh, behind this mask of ultra confidence lies a fragile self esteem. Yes, sir. And vulnerable to the slightest criticism. This is one reason why so many souls tend to build emotional forts of defense mechanisms, ever preserving their egoistic right 
not to be judged. And they don't want to be taught because they have now exhausted all teachability. My God, and they don't need to be told anything. They have completely, exhaustively arrived. God can use people of holy faith, you know, by his spirit to communicate revelations and confirmations of healing truth about certain dysfunctional developments in our personal life. God needs to work there because everything within you should be blessing the Lord. And blessing is serving the Lord. You can't serve him right if you're not delivered right. See, the Holy Ghost can use people to help bring healing truth so that deliverance will come and cause a positive effect from us to others in the Lord's church. Can we all just get along? However, the enemy seeks to bring the discord of confusion and sinful pride to hinder and block our personal reception of holy faith and how it should flow and grow in the church. God wants the ministry functions and interactions of his workers in his church to be decent and orderly, right? According to his grace of heavenly wisdom and a grace of protocol to be matured in a sanctified perfection. My God. And you need the grace of heaven to, to get into those processes. Amen. God has to bring us into the knowledge of the faith. And he will do that. He will escort you right on in. Amen. But you have to have yourself positioned to walk hand in hand with the master. A lot of times he has to carry you on through. Amen. And he'll pick you up. Yes, turn you around. And as you know, place your feet on solid ground, enabling you to walk. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Holy Ghost knows what we need. Proverbs 2.3 is showing us the required state of mind conducive of a person who has been qualified by God's spirit to approach others according to the Lord's will for the people of his pasture. He does not commission you to start a mess. Amen. He does not commission you to go through the pews and backstab folk, taking them out to the parking lot and throwing them under buses. My God, we are not to be busybodies in other people's matters. We are not to be busy bees of turmoil, seeking whom we may sting with the competitive strife of selfish, egoistic ambition. Hallelujah. Lord, help me to write. We are not to use the weaknesses, shortcomings, and less than perfect abilities of others as footstools to lift up ourselves into the carnal, conceited light of vanity. Vanity of vanities, my God. We need to be in a holy of holies, not the vanity of vanities. Now, the following strongholds of pride work as weapons of the devil 
to hinder the holy intentions of the Lord Jesus. There are many situations in ancient history revealed in the word that prove this. We're not going through all of those stories. I hope you remember many of your church school, and we call, we call it church school. A lot of churches around the world still use the term Sunday school. You remember your Sunday school lessons? My God, there are strongholds that develop as a result of a main root of dysfunctional development that can find its way into our persona if there be some breach. God can come and repair that breach so that it will no longer be a place, a portal where maladies can enter. My God. God needs to put his heavenly band-aid until the natural spiritual scab forms and that you can block out Satan. My God. We don't want this bug getting into our spirit. It's called sinful pride. I use the phrase sinful pride because there's nothing wrong with a simple general kind of pride wherein you're able to remember to take a bath. You have a little pride about yourself. Amen. You don't mind brushing your teeth. Amen. Uh, because in, in, in church we say hallelujah, but if you don't brush your teeth, folk might uh, retaliate by saying halitosis. Amen. We should have enough pride and dignity to do us feasibly right, viably correct in the uh, social interactions, you know, when we interact with others. There should be some kind of pride and dignity. I mean, pull your pants up, put a belt on, and tie that waistline around your waist. Have some pride, have some dignity. Amen? Save your cleavage for your husband. Hallelujah. Anyhow, thank you, Lord. And men, you don't have to tighten up to show all kind of stuff. My God, you need to be right, too. Have some pride, have some dignity. Thank you, Lord. Nothing wrong with that. But there are uh, a number of ways where the devil can contaminate that word and cause it to be a sinful thing. We find in Proverbs 30, verses 21 through 23, I'm in the King James Version, it reveals there are three things that make the earth tremble. And the verse goes on to say, no, for it cannot endure. A slave who becomes a king, an overbearing fool who prospers, a bitter woman who finally gets a husband, and a servant girl who supplants her mistress. We see in all of these, the main root of these multi-level developments is the sin of pride. A slave. Nothing wrong with uh, getting out of slavery and maybe developing yourself, come through the ranks without hurting anybody, and you have graduated and, you know, gained some honor, and now you have a lot of favor, and now all of a sudden some riches come your way and you become the king. Wow, that's great. But we don't want to do what is evil to obtain it through an evil auspices, assassination and such, you know, all kinds of evil ways to get ill-gotten goods. 
You could be an overbearing fool. People can't stand you in the room next to them. My God. And uh, you can take the fool out of the home he grew up in, but, and he can get a big castle and move there, but he's still a fool. My God. Imagine a fool with a lot of money. My God. Some of us voted for certain people that were that. Amen. Overbearing fools that prosper. My God, there's pride there. Bitter people. Mara, just bitter. Bitter women. You know? She thinks she all that. She got a man. I could get a man too. Blah, blah, blah. And they just churning, churning, and meditating on bitterness. They don't get better. They remain bitter. And they bring that bitterness into the marriage. They finally get a husband. They're still bitter. They didn't get better. They're still bitter. They're locked and sealed in that bitterness now. Pride didn't allow them to get delivered. A servant girl. My God, probably jealous of the woman she's serving. You know, they call it a mistress. My God. And now she supplants, does evil things to take over the household. Now she's in bed with the husband. And the uh, one that was her mistress, now she's out somewhere else in the nut house somewhere. My God, she done took over. My God, my God, pride did that. Proud to make you rise where you shouldn't be rising. Makes you think more highly of yourself than you ought. And God blesses us exceeding abundantly above what we could ask or think. But we decide to say, no, I'm going to be Ziggy. I'm going to stay in the pit. My God, I am nothing. I am lowly. I'll never make it. My God, that's the other side. So we see how in these scriptures, pride encourages us. To build our own kingdoms. Self-willed souls make their own way, despite the effect it may have on others. In essence, they become classic egoists. You know, people that step on you to get to where they got to go. Egoists on a journey to become their own God. Masters of their destiny. They will pray, P-R-E-Y. They will pray that... Their own will be done on earth as it is in their own perception. You know, I like how God commissioned Bible scholar Matthew Henry to transcribe what God's spirit intends for us to learn before we allow sinful pride to come in and completely wreck our lives and the lives of those around us. Quote, According to God's revealed truth in Romans 12, 3 through 8, pride is a sin in us by nature. Yes, we're like the rap group Naughty by nature, my God. And we need to be cautioned and armed against it. All the saints make up one body in Christ, who is the head of the body and the common center of their unity. In the spiritual body, some are fitted for and called to one sort of work, others for another sort of work. We are to do all the good we can, one to another, and for the common benefit of all. 
if we duly thought about the powers we have and how far we fail properly to improve them, it would humble us and it should humble us. But some go on dysfunctionally and thinking more highly of themselves than they ought, as the scripture showed us. Amen. Go back to Matthew Henry. But as we must not be proud of our talents, uh, so we must take heed less under the pretense of humility and self-denial. We are slowful in laying out ourselves for the good of others. So you could think so highly of yourself, you could care less about what others are going through. We must not say I am nothing either. Therefore, I will sit still and do nothing. People begin to, um, I'm going out of Matthew a little bit now, they, they begin to have this mopiness, depression. Uh, they don't want to, you know, get out of bed. They don't want to clean up. They don't open their mail. My God, they don't attend to hygiene. They're just depressed. My God. They are, uh, go back to Matthew Henry. He said, but they should not be saying, I am nothing, you know, but they ought to be saying, I am nothing in myself. And therefore, I will lay out myself to the utmost in the strength of the grace of Christ. Whatever our gifts or situations may be, let us try to employ ourselves humbly, diligently. You know, you keep doing it cheerfully. Enjoy the ride. And in simplicity, not seeking our own credit or profit, but the good of many for this world and that which is to come. So we also should be living for the future. Do you care about the next generation? Some of us do things, say things, whatever, and we could care less how it affects the next generation. My God. I've heard of parents not caring. The kids are now grown at 12 years old. And they could fit for themselves. They allow them to do, quote unquote, secular humanistic adult things like drinking and such. My God. And then they could look at, quote unquote, adult films. I don't know why they're called adult, because adults shouldn't be looking at them either. My God. But God is seeking that we will uh, now live in the light of Christ by the revelation of his word. And when you have the Holy Ghost working in your life, he comes. He's the presence of God. And God's presence is a glorious presence. It's lit up. Amen. Spiritually lit. There's a difference in folk when they have the fullness of God working in their life. And they look brighter. My God. You can see the light upon them. You can sense it. They don't have that dark, gloomy cloud. My God. Overcoming with that dark gloominess. They can come out of that. My God, they can feel disappointments and such, but they don't live there. My God, the world didn't give me this joy and the world can't take it away. My God, did the world give us this joy? No. Can it take it away? No. So where do we go from here, people of God? Are we going to go back to prideful business as usual? Has the Holy Ghost been talking to you? Sometimes we are enclosed with such defense mechanisms that we have built a fort and teaching cannot penetrate. It's as if you have a force field and it doesn't apply to you. Anything bad, you're on the lookout. You have those lookout people at the top of the fort looking out. Look for teaching. Look for things that might be considered a judgment. Look for it. Look for it. Squash it. Squash it. Don't let it come in. 
and, and your heart is being blocked. You have hired henchmen in your ears, your eyes, your heart to block the correction that's necessary for your healing. God wants us not to go back to prideful business as usual. And um, I personally will refuse to deprive my heart from experiencing what is needed to make the necessary changes that will free me and those around me to flow in the spirit of God. Flow as God would have it. You know, God offers the deliverance power of his grace that enables us to make the vital commitments necessary for holy change. I'm about holy change. My God, we need holy change. We can do it through Christ who strengthens us. So instead of our will, we can choose God's intended sovereign will for our life. That's what I want to do. From henceforth, this is the first day of the rest of my life. I'm going to choose God's intended sovereign will for my life. Amen. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website www.roagape.org We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.